You know, we've been talking in our series on the book of Acts a lot about the, the life and the kingdom of God. And, and if, if you've been at Clearview even once, maybe today's your first day, but I will go ahead and tell you if today's your first day, we believe with all of our heart that God made you for a reason and that we want to help you figure out what that reason is so that you can go out into the world. But you know as well as I do, if you, if you start asking God to use you and if you navigate life long enough, some things are going to happen to you. And one of those things that's going to happen to you is life's going to get foggy at times, right? You're going to, you ever felt stuck? Of course you have. Like, I mean, you know, just like there's just, you just keep, have you ever felt like this, this guy? Look at this guy. You ever felt like that? Just, just banging your head against the wall, you know, you're like, yeah, Jason, all week long, right? You just keep banging your head. And, and so, and, and what's worse about when you're, trying to, when you're trying to ask God about a situation or you're trying to ask God for clarity on something and you're trying to move through or maybe a situation in, in your life or your job or even pursue why God puts you on the planet, there's times you just, you feel like I'm, I'm praying. And that makes it even worse because you're asking God, you know, how many times in your life have you been asking God like, hey, you know, I'll do what you tell me to do, but something's got to happen. And that is you got to tell me. And that's the worst. You ever been in that spot where like you're asking God and like it's getting, you're getting crickets. That's awful. And then you tend to get, what do you do in those times? You get mad at God. Let me tell you, if you're ever mad at God, tell him he can take it. I promise. You know, read the Old Testament, man. People get away with some amazing things they've said to God in the past. You know, tell God how you feel. But you ever, you ever felt stuck? And then when you get stuck and you're spraying and you can't get the answers, what happens? Life gets foggy, doesn't it? You ever, you ever feel like this? Yeah, go to the next one. There, yeah. You ever, you ever feel like life's like that? When it's foggy? That's not just a beautiful scene in Gatlinburg or something. Sometimes that's life, isn't it? You got all these mountains to go over? Or you got a situation staring at you? You got payroll to meet? You got, you, got, you got something going on with your son or your daughter? You got a boyfriend, a girlfriend? You got things that are happening and it's foggy and you can't hear the voice of God and you feel, you feel stuck? Sometimes when you're stuck, you feel like this person. You ever just want to pull your hair out? I don't tend to pull my hair out anymore because it's doing it on its own. And I, I'm trying to just hold on to what I got. But often when you feel foggy and when life gets foggy, maybe you're like this girl. You ever feel just like complete despair? You ever been staring into a situation and it feels like she looks? Sometimes when you're foggy, you ever feel like this person? Just lonely? You ever felt lonely? Isn't it fascinating sometimes that when you're going through something or trying to figure out God's heart for something and you're navigating the fog, isn't it, isn't it wild that you can, you ever, you ever had this feeling that you can be surrounded by people but feel like you're the loneliest person in the world? Isn't that weird? I've been there. Like nobody really understands. Sometimes you just want to do what this guy does. You just want to put your head in your hands. And you're like, I, I, God, I can't, I, I just can't, I can't hear from you. And then sometimes when you're stuck and when life seems foggy, you just want to do what this monkey's doing, right? Scream. You just want to yell, right? You ever yelled? I have. I mean, seriously. I mean, if you're a guest today, I'm telling you, I, I don't make this stuff up. When I tell you, I, I mean, I really mean it. I've, I've yelled. 
and I've gotten mad. You know what, what's true about life? Here, here's the bottom line. We all know it. Life is full of foggy, isn't it? Life is full of foggy. If you're going to live on this planet long enough, your life is full of foggy, man. It, it, just, it just really is. But let me ask you this. What if, what if today I could tell you something that you actually believed, and it's this, that you can learn to be confident in the fog? What if you were able to navigate? Because we know life's full of foggy. Walk this planet long enough. Walk, walk this dirt long enough. You are going to feel stuck. Pull your hair out mad. Scream, lonely, despair, angry, frustrated. You're going to hit situations that make no sense to you. Life is full of foggy. But what if you could learn to navigate the fog? Oh, I think you can. I really do. I want you to turn to Acts 16. If you have a Bible this morning, Acts chapter 16 and, and we're going to, it's, it's kind of toward the end of your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Acts chapter 16. And I want to talk to you this morning about finding God in the fog. Finding God in the fog. Finding God in the fog. And so, so if, if you missed it, by the way, if you, if you missed, uh, this, this is kind of a, uh, this isn't like part two. It's just a continuation of, of as we looked at um, uh, chapter 16 last week, you can get that on the iOS app and uh, podcast, or you can go to our website and get last week's sermon. But we talked about what to do when God speaks to you and how to find God's vision for your life. But sometimes that vision is, is foggy. And, and so we see it with Paul. Something happened here as he's going into the Macedonian call. So we're going to pick it up. We're going to pick it up in, in verse 4 of chapter 16. Finding God in the fog. Verse 4 of chapter 16 of the book of Acts. Here we go. Now, while they were passing through, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So Paul and, and Silas and, and Luke and those guys, they were just doing their job. And it says, so the churches are being strengthened in the faith, and they were being increased in number daily. And they passed through the Phrygian region uh, and Galatia in that area, and they were forbidden. Now, here's the key verse. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So they, they hit a block. They get stuck. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So now we're going through the other door, and now that door is closing. And passing through Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul receives a vision. Talked a lot about that. And when he had seen the vision, it wasn't a dream, it was a vision. And immediately it says, we, that's Luke, Paul, Silas, we le- immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they hit blocks. They hit, they hit, they were stuck. They hit barriers. And I want to tell you this morning, the, the, the key to all this, if I, could, if I could ask you to walk away with one thing today, if I could, with one core truth, then it, it would simply be this. When you're going through the fog, you ready? When you're going through the fog, the key to clarity is communion, all right? That's the key to clarity. What is fog? Well, it's foggy, right? What is fog? Foggy. Fog's foggy. It's supposed to be. But the key to navigating the fog is communion with God. And by the way, when I talk about communion, okay, I'm not talking about, you know, people often equate mentally communion with, with this uh, just sitting before the Lord, you know, just one of those. Just like, and, and it's, not that, it's not that communion isn't being still. 
But let me tell you what, what communion with God, Jesus told us to abide, right? Jesus told us to abide in him. You hear that often in the book of John, that we're told to abide. What does that mean? Does abide mean just sit still and kind of wait for God to speak and, you know, all ears kind of thing? No, no, that's not what he's saying. Abiding with Christ, you know what it is? It's a state of living. That's what abiding is. To abide in Christ, it is a way of looking at the world. It's a way of watching around you. I love what the, the famous uh, pastor, minister, uh, minister from Westminster Chapel, G. Campbell Morgan, who was famous in England, he, he said this, it is the watcher for the Lord who sees the Lord. Isn't that great? It is the watcher of the Lord or the watcher for the Lord who sees the Lord. And he's exactly right. Because you know, if there's one thing about Paul and Silas in Acts 16 that you don't see, you don't see them stopping. Did you notice that? They, they penetrated this way, and it says the Spirit of Jesus blocked them. They penetrated this way, and it says the Spirit blocked them. They, they tried here, they tried there. And, 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 and the momentum just wasn't working. Something wasn't right. Something wasn't right. But the whole time, let me tell you why I can tell you that the key to clarity is communion. Let me tell you why I can tell you that. Because the one thing that Paul and Silas were doing, and so was Luke, is they were searching out the heart of God. It never says that they disconnected from the vine. Now, you, let me tell you, you know how I know that? You cannot say that the Holy Spirit is blocking me if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You cannot say that God is, is closing that door with confidence. You can't say that with confidence if you're out of communion with God. No, the entire time that those guys were trying to figure out God's will, hey, does it not make you feel good that the, the deepest, most profound theological mind in the history of regular people, Apostle Paul, sometimes got stuck? Does that not make you feel good? That should get a good Baptist amen. You know, thank you, John. All right? Yes, this should make you feel good. Sometimes people that really walk deep with God get stuck. And he got stuck. But he was abiding with God. So what can we learn about communion? Because communion is the key to clarity, Right? It's key, here's what I'll tell you. I'll tell you that when it comes to communion, sometimes circumstances, God will put circumstances, and those circumstances will create communion. So what do you mean by that, Jason? God will often use circumstances to create communion. Let me tell you how I know that. The way I know that is, is simply this. Paul was coming out of a lot of drama. If you read earlier in the, in the, in the book of Acts in chapter 15, you know what was going on in Paul's life? Paul got in a major argument with his best friend. I mean, a major one. He and Barnabas were, I mean, there was a lot of drama in Paul's life. It was very loud. You ever had a, a lot of drama? Of course. We all have drama. He had a lot of drama. He got in a sharp, in fact, it was such, the, the argument was so bad over what God was going to do. One wanted, Barnabas wanted to go this way, Paul wanted to go this way, and it said they literally parted ways. That's how bitter the dispute got. Paul's life was loud. And let me tell you, I do find it interesting that God did not speak to Paul until he got to Troas. Did you notice that? He didn't speak to me. You know, let me tell you something, friends. I wrote it down this way so I wouldn't forget it. Look, look at this statement. God will often use circumstances to put me in a position where I'm able to hear him. 
God will often use circumstances to put me in a place where I'm able to hear him. I I really do wonder if maybe Paul, it it wasn't that he was out of context with God. or In in fact, let let me say this to you. Paul wasn't doing anything wrong. And I really want you to hear that. A lot of times when it comes to hearing the voice of God... One of the first things we do is if we're getting crickets and it gets foggy, one of the first things we do is we assume we've got hidden sin somewhere under a rock that we don't know about, right? Baptists are great at that. In fact, if you did grow up in church, you were taught, well, you've got unconfessed sin. Now, I don't know where it's at. And you know what? You don't either. That's stupid, That's a big theological word, but it it makes sense in the moment. Now, you know what? Sometimes you do have unconfessed sin. But I've never had unconfessed sin that I didn't know about. (laughs) You, you, You tracking? I've never had unconfessed sin that I was just oblivious to. No, I know when I'm living in rebellion, I can feel it. I know it. The fruit on the vine around my life is withering. It's showing mold, right? No. Sometimes God just isn't ready to speak to you yet. You're not doing anything wrong. Relax. So God got Paul down into a place where he was, wait for it, able to hear him. And I can't really tell you. I would be making it up if I could tell you why that was. But he, but he did put the circumstances. And I want to say this to you, you guys. All right, listen to me real close, okay? I mean this. When you're going through the fog, and we know that the key to clarity is communion, staying close to the heart of God, watching for the Lord, as G. Campbell Morgan said. We know the key to clarity is that. But let me tell you something, okay? When you're going through the fog, I want, I want to say something to you about circumstances, when you're banging your head against the wall and the door won't open and you go to kick it and then you buy a crowbar spiritually and you pry that sucker open and it still won't come and you get door consultants and they can't tell you why the door won't open, right? You pay for them, that doesn't work, right? Let me tell you something. I have learned, and this is hard, I'm gonna, I'm, this is totally for free, not even charging you, but I have learned this. It's, this is my life. I've, I'm, I've just learned it. Do not spurn and detest the circumstances that you're in. They could be sent to you from God, those circumstances. So don't hate it. Because often when the door won't move and the the door won't open and it won't even crack, the first thing we do is we get angry and we get mad because it's not panning out the way we hoped it would or the way we wanted it to. And let me tell you something about fear. Let me tell you something about anger. Let me tell you something about disappointment. All of that stuff will cloud your ability to watch for the Lord. It will toxify your ability to interpret what God does. Don't do that. Don't hate the circumstance. A lot of times Christians ascribe to the devil what God is doing. Do you hear that? A lot of times Christians ascribe to the devil because, you know, as Americans, any resistance has to come from the devil. If it's not working out, it's surely got to be from the, the devil. You know what? No, no, no. No. Paul said, did you notice what Paul said? Paul said, the spirit of who? Not the spirit of the Antichrist. 
The Spirit of Jesus stopped us. Don't get mad at the circumstance, all right? The key to communion is clarity. The key to clarity is communion. When you're walking through the fog, I'm going to give you one other area of communion when you're in the fog that will help you, and it's this, that communion with God won't always align with the facts you see. When it comes to communing with God, it won't always align with the facts you see. Say, what do you you mean by that, Jason? Let me give you kind of a modern-day illustration. This is not to scale. If you pull it up on your Maps app, on your iPhone or your Android, it's not going to be to scale, but I'm just going to give you something that kind of works. So imagine that you knew that God wanted you to go, uh, that he wanted you to go into Kentucky and share the gospel. Wanted you to go into Kentucky. Well, you're just about what? You're about 45 minutes from the Kentucky line, give or take, depending on how fast you drive. Right? Some of you can be there in 10 minutes. Some of you can be there in 60. Right? Some of you are poking your spouses right now. Right? Yeah, depends on how fast you drive. But we're very close right here in Franklin. We're very close to the, to the border of Kentucky. And, and so, so, so imagine, so Paul is right there. I mean, he is right there ready to take the gospel into this whole new country. And imagine that, that you were, God was telling you to, to share the gospel. You're like, well, the, it only makes sense. We're right here by Kentucky. We're, we're trying to get into Kentucky. But every time, every highway was blocked into Kentucky. And then God says, no, I need you to go to Scottsdale, Arizona. That makes no sense. Like, I can walk to Kentucky from here. It might take a while. But I can walk to Kentucky. You want me to go to Scottsdale? That makes, I mean, the facts don't line up, right? The facts don't line up. So I'm telling you, what, what you see with your eyes, if there's one thing we understand about the life of Jesus, what we see with our eyes doesn't always line up with the, 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 the heart of God. Something Catherine Inman said a long time ago when we were first talking to them has stuck deep in my marrow. She talks, uh, if you don't know who Catherine is, Catherine is our, the wife of our student, Pastor Graham. Catherine's a, a, an amazing woman of God. And, and, and this, this is something she said that she tells to young, young uh, students all the time that are girls. This, look at this. I love what she said. Go to the next one there. Yeah, she says, you're, that's Catherine in the black ski cap there. She says, your emotions, I tell girls all the time, your emotions are real, but they are not the truth. Listen, that's not just for student girls. That's for us. Your emotions are real, but they're not the truth. You know what the truth is? The Word of God. So we filter our emotions through the Word of God. Because often what you feel and what God is doing doesn't line up, does it? No, because when you're in the fog, what happens in the fog? You get confused. The fog is foggy. But the key to clarity is communion. And so you have to walk and stay and stay tight with the Word of God. You know, I read a story one time, a guy that trains pilots. He, uh, he said that, that one of the things he'll let pilots do is get disoriented. He said, he said um, it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes you get p- young pilots with an ego, and you, you're trying to teach them to, to really trust, to really trust their, their instruments that they have in front of them. Trust your instruments no matter what you see. So he'll do some barrel rolls, and he'll do some things to get him a little disoriented. And he said, you would be stunned at how often, and I don't say a word, that we're going through the clouds. I get him in clouds, but I know that there's blue sky just past the way. And I let him get in clouds, and I do some things, and, and I let him take over. And he said, you'd be amazed at how often young pilots fly out of the clouds into the blue sky upside down. And the whole time, their instruments are telling them, turn over. The whole time the instruments are telling them what you see isn't real. And he says, I, t- I teach him all that. Trust your instruments. Trust your instruments. Trust your instruments. 
And so often we fly out. And the whole time I'm just sitting there going, this is going to be awesome. And they fly out. Whoa! We're upside down. Yeah, we've been upside down for a while. Now, what can we learn from that? Let me tell you what instruments you have. Okay? If the book of Acts tells us anything, it tells us in the first chapter that God put his power in you. You've got the Holy Spirit that you can trust and be guided by. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God did not leave you to figure this out on your own? You've got a Holy Spirit, but i tell you what you've also got. You've got the Word of God. Let me tell you something, friends. It'll never lie to you. Catherine Inman is exactly right. Your emotions are real, but they are not the truth. The faith, the faith, I wrote it down to say it this way. The faith that you possess is far better than the facts you see. The faith you possess is is far better than the facts you see. So when it comes to finding clarity through communion, you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got the Word of God. Let me tell you what you've also got. You've got the people of God. Did you hear me? You've got the people of God. Now I want you to look in verse 10 of chapter 16. It said, when we had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. You know, I looked that word up in the original language. And it's, it's a very simple idea that, that in the most easy way, it could mean we pooled our thoughts. We put our thoughts together. But these weren't average people that didn't love Jesus. No, this was Paul, Silas, and Luke, and probably maybe even a few others. But these were people that put their, their minds together in the power of God. And what I, what I think that tells us is, is this, you guys is that we have to learn to put ourselves amongst a circle of people. Now, I'm going I'm to get real personal with you for a minute. All right? So if you've got a seatbelt, tighten it up just a minute. It's not going to hurt. Just, just hold on a minute. But probably some, the reason that some of you are confused, and in some of your business ventures, and some of your sales meetings, and some of the people you're hiring out for consultants, And some of the people you're hanging out with in the hallways asking for guidance on relationships, maybe the reason that you're foggy has to do with the kind of people that you're letting speak into your life. Let me tell you, if you want to know the heart of God, the Bible says in the multitude of counselors there is safety. But that's not just anybody's counsel. People that don't, listen to me, friend, people that don't know the mind of God and the heart of God and people who are not concerned and sold out for the heart and the kingdom of God, they will never, ever, 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 ever take you closer to the heart of God. People that aren't concerned about the heart of God, they may not be bad people, they may not be evil people, but I'm going to tell you what, if you want to find clarity, clarity comes through communion, and God speaks through people. So from Genesis to Revelation, God speaks through people. And I want to tell you something today. If you're confused and you're, and, and you're in the fog, you maybe should audit who's speaking into your life. Because I'm going to tell you something. The people that I want in my life are not church-going people. I'm dead serious. I do not want church-going Christians surrounding me when I'm in the fog. 
I don't want good, moral, upright people surrounding me when I'm in the fog. I want to tell you who I want around me when I'm in the fog. I want people filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Word of God, passionate about the Word of God, passionate about the kingdom of God, who love me enough to tell me when I'm being an idiot. I want people around me that have my best interest in mind because that's what love looks like. I want people that love me enough to tell me, don't trust what your eyes see, you're doing exactly what God called you to do. I want people around me that know God so much that they could tell me, no, you know what, you're, you're, you're not hearing this right because your ego's in the way. I want people that, that love me enough to tell me, you know what, Jason, actually, you're exactly standing where you should stand based on the Word of God. Don't listen. See, but that only comes with people who put Jesus far above and beyond any other thing in their, in their life. And I'm telling you, Paul and Silas and Luke concluded together. He concluded together. Logic doesn't always pan out because logic isn't always the plan. When you look at the, the life of Paul and his logic, I would leave you with this little truth right here. Never project onto a holy God the frailty of human logic. You see, God doesn't have to use our measuring stick. He doesn't have to use our metrics. Don't, don't put that onto God. If you measure success, by, if you measure success by, by the way Americans look at life, well, then nobody's ever wanting anything bad. Nobody's ever wanting anything struggling. Let me tell you, even for your kids, parents, this is a word for you today. Don't be the lawnmower parent. You know who they are, don't you? They're so freaked out that their kid's ever going to have any kind of stress or things in their life. If any obstacle comes in the way, they just mow it down so everything's wonderful and great for their kids. Let me tell you, you're going to completely destroy your children if you do that. How are they going to learn to navigate the fog if they've never experienced it? You've got to learn how to navigate struggle. Even as a believer, you've got to learn how to navigate struggle. And so sometimes we interpret the fog as something that, that isn't from God. And sometimes God's just not ready to speak. Sometimes he's, we're not able to hear. Sometimes we're just in positions where it's not, we're, we're not ready to hear from God. And I'm telling you, don't project onto the holy what only makes sense to the human. Because you'll sort, short circuit the ability to commune with God. The key to communion is clarity. So when you look at Paul's life, you know what you see? You know why he, he didn't keep pushing up into Kentucky, if you will? You know why he didn't keep pushing up north and he went the other way because God told him? I'll tell you why. Because Paul did not self-govern his life. And I'm going to let that sit on you for a second. Paul did not self-govern his life. He reveals that in 2 Corinthians. Look at what he says. 2 Corinthians 5, he says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live, that is, live in Christ, might no longer live for themselves. That's a big statement, isn't it? But for him who died and rose again on their behalf. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, look at, look at that. So that all who live in Christ, they may no longer live for themselves, but they live for him who died and rose again. You know what Paul's saying, don't you? He's saying that when he came to Christ, he handed the keys of his money and his relationships and his family and his job. He handed those keys to God who deserves to own them. 
He wasn't selfish with his motives. When you get in the fog and you can't find clarity, and we know that the key to clarity is communion, you have to be in a position. If you really, Christian, listen to me. If you really do want to hear God's voice in your life on a frequent basis, if there's one thing I've learned, I have had to learn to put into play Proverbs 16 too, which says, All of a man's ways seem innocent to him, but the Lord weighs the motive. All, Proverbs 16 too, All of a man's ways seem innocent to him, but the Lord weighs the motive. Paul's motive was not to live for himself. So if your motives are selfish, then you should expect silence. If your motives are selfish, you should expect silence. God's not being mean to you. He's not being mean to you. In fact, he's loving you so much, he's saying, I'm not going to speak to you until you really want to know the answer. Because right now, you really don't. Right now, you just want relief. You ever wanted relief? Oh. You ever wanted relief from a situation? Yeah, daily. You ever wanted just relief so bad? You're pushing through every door and it's not coming? You ever just wanted something to change because you're tired of praying about it? The first thing I do when I begin to hit real resistance and I catch wind of it in my mind is I ask the Lord, reveal to me if my motives aren't right. Because if my motives are selfish, I should expect silence. You see, God has given you a lens to look at the life through. It's why we called it the Kingdom Now series. God's given you a vision to look at life through. And so my question to you this morning is, friend, Here's a question that I'm going to leave you with. You ready for this? If I looked at my current situation through kingdom lenses, how does it change? If I looked at my current situation, if I had glasses, and I looked at my current situation through kingdom lenses, how does it change? The key to clarity is communion. And when you commune with God, your motives clear up, You don't hate the circumstances, and you trust your instruments. And you will find your way through the fog.